Mm, where in the world is Monica McNutt? Oh, it doesn't, doesn't have a ring to it like Carmen. I need a red trench coat, right? I wish she had a red fedora. <laughs> I feel like you're too young. You don't remember the truth. I, she had a red trench coat and a red fedora, right? Yeah, you talk about the cartoon though. Like oh. that, the cartoon came out. Like I was playing the game on the floppy disk. You had to put it in. Like a real, you remember those? You too young to even remember that? I do know. I do remember the floppy disk. Yeah. Yes, I we had to put it in and close the thing. I used to love that game. It was terrible. <laughs> it was such a terrible game, but I liked it. The real character wore a regular trench coat, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I, I just remember, I... I remember the word spelunking was in there at some point. <laughs> I It was the first time I would learn that word because apparently one of the times the guy you was trying to find, he's like, we just called his version spelunking. I was like, mommy, what is, what is spelunking? But now I know. Going into caves. <laughs> wow. Shout out to Floppy Disks. What a time. Shout out Floppy Disks. Frogger. Anyway, Alabaster. I could do this all day because I used to love some Frogger, boy. I remember and Frogger. You remember Number Munchers? What about Number Munchers? You ain't played no, Number Munchers? No, not Number Munchers. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a little game. Never mind. All right, not Alabaster. Get us to this uh, Hemothy topic, please. All right. Uh, so, Jimmy Butler. That guy's 98 Michael Jordan every year in the playoffs. Um, and so, the question... I have for you guys after his virtuoso 56 point performance on Saturday night. At this point, would you rather have Jimmy Butler than anyone else in the league in a playoff series? This is a great question. <laughs> it's a terrible question. I hate it so much. It's a great question. <laughs> because I know what I feel in my heart, and the numbers do not support what my heart tells me. Tell me what your heart says, though. My heart tells me that Jimmy is a lot further down on the list than his playoff performances suggest. Like, I just watched him go up against a more talented team, against a player who I think is better than him, and he, like, was in a must-win kind of situation, and he outplayed every single body, and it wasn't a one-off thing. They overachieve every year because Jimmy is so cold. And I still would be like, yeah, go ahead and give me Giannis. Go ahead, go ahead and give me Giannis. <laughs> I, I, you know, Foxy, I'm glad that we're here because Giannis wasn't my first thought. Honestly, Steph was my first thought. Yeah. So, um, I, no, no, no. It's the, I'm sorry. I, I used that one because it was right there. There are lots right. of names that I would put ahead of Jimmy. And I'm not sure that any of them deserve it based on what Jimmy's been capable of doing with the surrounding cast in big moments. They don't got nobody. Gabe Vincent was the one he was relying on to hit the daggers. No, I'm sorry. That was disrespectful. I'm sorry. No disrespect, Gabe Vincent. No, but it's, it's you ain't Chris Middleton. It's fact. I, you can say this, they, they got a bunch of non-drafted dudes, and that says it all, because that is the heat culture way. <laughs> like um, the, the, the second best player that they had, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be Bam, but he ain't show up. He got blocked like three times at the rim. And their, their third best player, or maybe second best player, Tyler Hero, ain't been around. And that man went for more than 50 points and, and made defensive plays. Jimmy deserves yeah. to be near the top of the list, but I know that I'm going to say Kawhi, I'm going to say Steph, I'm going to say Giannis, I'm going to say KD. Like, I, I, that's, I, 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 don't, I know that the numbers don't support it, but it's just my heart. So, so here's the one thing that I will say that we can blend our heart and our mind together. Okay, let's do it. I am only going to say guys that have actually won championships. Why, of though? Guys, 
Because because they've won championships. Okay, 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 okay. Right? Okay, 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 so okay, if we okay, start okay. going guys that haven't won championships, yeah, I'll take Jimmy out of that class. Period. I like this. Blank. I like this. Right? Let's change the question. Let's change the question. Edit a little bit. You Let's massage that thing. <laughs> because like think like Steph, Giannis, even Kawhi with the Raptors, KD. I think for me, that would be the four that I would stop. And then I would go Jimmy. Like Jason is prone to acting light skin late. Like Jalen, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like who in that class? Joel, Joel, James yeah, Harden. He no, can't. yeah, he can't. over all them jokers. Yeah, I am taking him over all them jokers. However, yeah, I mean, if you need a playoff performance, yeah, I think you're right. So that's the way we can do it. He's the not only he should. So what he's provided for the Heat in the last several years has been so impressive. And mm -hmm. I fear that he is going to be like lost to the history of the heat because he's not winning a championship. Like get that man a chip. We need to give him a trophy. We, we need to tro make a trophy just to send down there <laughs> so that they can put his name in the rafters right next to Shaq and uh, right. Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam. I guess LeBron will be up there one day. But I have no idea how they make it work with the numbers. But if somehow Dane ends up in Miami this summer, mm -hmm. we might be on our way to something there. We might be on our way to something. That ain't exactly what they need, but it's better. It's an improvement, it's I a, guess. It's a large improvement. <laughs> it is an improvement over, I mean, Kyle Lowry, I guess. Yeah, it's an improvement over that. But I guess. I mean, if you go those two guys, you can hold on to Bam. And then they apply heat culture sprinkle to some guys that don't nobody know about. But they turn into Gabe Vincent and Max Struces. Like, come on now. We can see it, Foxy. Come on, we can see it. And Duncan came back and started hitting some shots. Oh man, yeah, I, I can't see it. You can see it, but I can't see it. I can't see it. We're not gonna see it until they become back in the playing game, though. Don't worry, we're not gonna see it in the regular season. It's gonna magically happen in the postseason. And I mean, like, listen, listen. Jimmy is a guy that is up to his productivity. It's like sixteen points his average goes up from the postseason to the regular season. Like, I have so much respect for Eric Spolstra. Spolstra. Him Which one too. is it? I always mess it up. Spolstra. <laughs> Spolstra, my bad. Um, but I think even yesterday in the post game, let me tell you how my mom, she know, she's not a super sports person like she is by proxy, but she saw Jimmy's performance. She was like, I was going to the bathroom, then I came back, they was down, and I watched. She was like, he just seems so down to earth. Like, he just seems like he's a good teammate, and he just want to play ball. <laughs> I said, Mom, that's a great assessment on this man. For the first time you've ever watched, he just game, saw bro. all that out of there. She just <laughs> just <laughs> broke down his character from a peak because he hit some shots. One hundred percent. So I, I, he's he's that kind of talent. Um, I think we will always have fun debating Hall of Fame, right? Based on regular season versus postseason. Uh, I had friends joking last night that were like, "Explain Jimmy Butler to your future grandkids when they'd be like, he only averaged eighteen and eight during the regular season. Like, what are we doing?" You had to be there. Yeah, you had yeah. to be there. Yep. That's that's my point. That's why I want him to get something. We got to get this man a trophy. He wouldn't accept it, but he deserves something so that we can remember it because him getting to the finals that bubble mm -hmm. year was like, mm -hmm. and he just does it time and time again. It's, uh, and watching the way, so watching the game this morning after I already knew the results made yeah. it, made it uh, a different experience because then I'm watching the way he's getting buckets. Whereas this, I'm watching for the sole purpose of watching Jimmy Butler. And he's mm -hmm. like putting moves on Giannis in the paint, finding little angles. And like he was, I remember young Jimmy Butler. I remember Jimmy Butler with the Bulls. He was explosive. 
Mm-hmm. He's not not explosive, but he is. A, <laughs> there's a lot of old man to his game now, which is even more impressive. Like he's just full of guile uh, and just Ooh. finding ways to make plays. It's impressive. Very producer injection. Krabs, were you getting in? I just would like to to note just on how impressive this is. He's averaging 36 and a half, five and a half rebounds, five assists per game. Only MJ and LeBron have done 35 and five on 50% field goal in the playoffs. Jimmy's doing it on 63% shooting this series. He's shooting what Jokic did in the regular season. And, and he don't shoot like, oh God. Oh God. Yeah. yeah it's like it is. Foul <laughs> shots and mid range. Like he hit some big threes last night, but that ain't yeah, where he's yeah. working. He worked Not in mid range and he's mm-hmm. going to the line and it's incredible for the, the only the if I had to be Debbie Downer super basketball nerd on on the okay, comparison to those two, like literally, and I'm not saying that MJ and LeBron didn't need those caliber performance to elevate their teams. And there certainly were some super lean years for Bron when he was with Cleveland in terms oh, of support. Obviously, MJ at points carried his roster, but like he outscores the Bucks what 22 to 16 when he comes back in the game with about eight minutes to go. Literally, if he doesn't have this performance in this moment, it's a tie series. Like it's like a, it's a completely different thing. And so I think there's, I just he should have more help. Like I don't want to yeah. take anything away from him, but yeah. like can right, he get? It's it's to me. It's not only that he's able to do what he did the other night. It's that it feels like he does it every time they need him to do it. And when they come up short, it's like doesn't feel like it's his fault. We can go back to last year where they're somehow a shot away from yeah, going to sure. the finals again mm-hmm. against the best team in basketball, which was the um, Celtics. And he missed the shot that we all thought was going in. And you go back to the bubble and he just like, he somehow finds a way in the playoffs to be a better version of himself, like his best version, which is something that we talk about, but actually it's really hard to find people who who perform better in the toughest moments than they do in uh, the easier moments. And Jimmy actually seems to be a guy who, for whatever reason, gets so much better at those really, really tough moments. Right. That's exactly it, though, Foxy, right? Like, if you go back to last year, the three, you could argue that he's had to exert so much energy to to keep this team in it. And I think that's the part that's just a little bit maddening. Like, if he had some help, like, if he has some help, then maybe this 50-point, 56-point game is the one that gets them over the hump. But do you think they're about to win the next game? Because I don't. I think the series is still very much up in the air, despite percentages of teams that go up 3-1 or teams that go up. Oh, this it, was all, it wasn't 0-2, but still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. it just still feels like we're going to be like, man, remember that 56-point performance and either the Bucks still survived or it doesn't mean anything in the next round. Although I will yeah. say a Heat New York series potentially is oh. very tantalizing. Oh, classic. Go back to, to um, Van Gundy hanging on mm-hmm. Joe's leg. That's that's all anyone remembers from those, from that rivalry. It was a beautiful uh, artistic <laughs> photograph. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, I had something else to say, but I forgot it. It probably <laughs> wasn't that important. Oh, well, Jimmy Butler is really great and he's hard to stop. It's amazing. He is him. He is. Austin he Reeves. Is. And Sorry. Then we, yeah, we talked about this before. You guys have diluted him because calling him Hemi Butler does not have the ring that it should have because all you other people out here proclaiming hymns that ain't him. Not quite. Mm-mm. <laughs> all right, Alabaster, what's next, buddy? 
I guarantee you Tyler Hero thinks of himself as him. Oh, my gosh. I mean, let's be completely honest. 80% of the NBA believes that they're him. You don't get Fair there if you, if you think you're not him. Like You I were him. I, 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 I think I'm him, and I ain't played in <laughs> more than a decade. There you go. Come on. Fact, facts are facts. I'm, I'm him amongst pedestrians. There you go. Somebody want to see me out here, you normies? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, <laughs> let's pivot to the West. <sighs> Uh, Lakers three one lead. Basketball together. And that's why he he can vouch for it. Yeah, um, can't he's get a look. The, the feet still move. Hips still hips still swivel. Um, hey. Oh, okay, Alabaster. Don't tell all our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move it to the to the West. Lakers oh. Grizz. LeBron. Uh, vintage LeBron in the moments he needed. A couple really clutch buckets as they pulled out an overtime win over the Grizzlies. Did you learn more about the Lakers or the Grizz in game four? Lakers. Really? Yeah, Lakers. I love the Grizzlies. The the Kings are what the Grizzlies were supposed to be last season, (laughs) in theory. Young team, taking the league by storm, about to push somebody out. (sighs) The Grizzlies are like my nappy-headed little cousins that just won't get right. Like, that's how I feel about the Grizzlies. I literally argue with my boyfriend about this, and he's like, you really act like you know them. I'm like, it's fine. Just whatever. Anyway. Um, I learned more about the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis, to me, is going to be the key to this whole thing. Anthony Davis was pedestrian, we'll call it, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 20 and 20 from Braun is like, bro, what? And then, like, not even just Braun, but, like, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, like, these role players who, yeah. game one, you were like, please, these members are not going to have another 30 piece. Yeah. And Rui more hasn't. But the supporting cast has yeah. been enough to give LeBron the help that he needs. That bucket that's in the game to overtime, and then the bucket that didn't count. Are you kidding me? So I think this Lakers team, beyond AD, I'm more impressed with them. Like, the Grizzlies kind of did what I thought they were going to do. I thought Desmond Bain shot the ball really well. Ja is still crazy. But yeah. in, the cl- in, the, in the crunch, clutch, whichever one you want to choose, it's questionable. It's questionable to me. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I would say I learned more about the Grizzlies because um, I already knew that the Lakers – uh, fortunes would ride on how well AD would play. And I knew that AD was going to come up and not give us what we needed every now and then. So mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised by that. Um, I guess I could say I learned a little bit about LeBron still had, but I, I feel like I knew he had that also. Austin yeah. Reeves, I'll give him some credit is prior to the playoffs. Like I accepted that what everyone was saying and I was watching like, yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. However, he not up there. He has been up there. This whole series, he's been like consistently performing, shooting consistently, making plays, penetrating, playing good defense. All that stuff is really impressive. Vanderbilt's been a defensive uh, juggernaut. Yeah, uh, an offensive coin toss. <laughs> but wow, what a uh, what a contrast! Yeah, it's just like dink, dink. sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't. So I I feel like I did I knew this about the Lakers, um, but. Like I learned, uh, or I guess I think I just started to accept what we have been kind of thinking about the Grizz for a while is that they are not who we thought they were. They're not this up and coming team that was on, that is on the rise. They do not have a roster and I know Adams is out, but they do not have a, they have holes in the roster that were not exposed last year and are being exposed this year. One of those holes, you put it right there, that card, the LVP, Dylan Brooks. 
Okay. Yeah, and this is me. where I come to the rescue for my little grizzlies a little bit. Let me who, who decided to look up the VORP? Because that <laughs> was vorp. a statistic that I didn't even know existed. And Great to name. defend villain, the villain, Dylan the villain, Poke the Bear, uh. Brooks. <laughs> I like, and I do think to, to rely on a stat that says he's been a negative over the course of his career is a little too num- numerically nerdy to me. Has he cost his team some games? Yes. But there's no way that this kid has not added or he would not be on the floor. So everybody just just pump your brakes a little bit. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I stop you there for a second? Come on, let's go. You trying to tell me that it's not possible that the coaches could be wrong? I know the whole time I was growing up watching people play basketball and playing basketball myself, coaches was like, don't be shooting threes. It took them decades after the three-point line was instituted to figure out three is more than two we should be shooting at more often so my point is this one coach can be wrong he could be wrong just because he out there getting minutes don't mean he's valuable so this is this is what i will say i think that dylan's role is just not fully appreciated and frankly I would be curious about Draymond Green's work before I start yelling because I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I see what you're saying. They, that he, Draymond Green's offered things that the numbers can't uh, account for. Yeah, right. And so, like, does the dude have a proclivity to take bad shots? Sure, but I don't care what anybody says. Like, he's a, he's still an NBA player. He's added value to a team that has finished top five in the regular season. Like, they have not been healthy going into a postseason for two years in a row now. I think this is a completely different story if this team is healthy coming in this 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 postseason. Like I just think we're starting to do a lot. Like we're just starting you to got, do a lot. You, now, you got you got some you got some cousins on the team or something because you like who's who's not he- who's healthy right now? Like this nobody is really healthy yeah, but right you're now. Missing, you're missing your starting center and your arguably sixth man. Like Xavier Tillman, don't get me wrong, and maybe this is credit to Taylor Jenkins for having that to prepare, but like Xavier Tillman is matching up with Anthony Davis in your series, like yeah, that's a bad. It's a bad matchup. We just watch Hemi Butler, though. They don't got nobody. I'm just saying it's not. They like don't everybody. never have nobody. He's used that's to it. this. <laughs> I mean, not that I expect Dylan Brooks to to climb the Jimmy Butler's level, but I guess the point is, it's unfair probably to go dig up Vorp and call him the least valuable player. He's not. He's certainly not going to be that, even if your statistics say so. Like, the analytics can be wrong in certain Mm -hmm. capacities. However, as much as I appreciate Dylan Brooks talking with his chest out, with a chain on and glasses on, you you know what comes with that. It's true. Extra scrutiny. So, like, I'm with you. I appreciate and I respect that you are going to defend him. However, he be, it's not only that he take bad shots. He take bad shots with eight seconds left on the shot clock. I'm going to need you to pass that to someone who is on the court for their offensive abilities. Like as much as Dylan Brooks is capable to do some things offensively, you are not out there. This is something that Draymond knows. And he models his game so much after Draymond. Draymond can't get that hot potato out of his hands fast enough. (laughs) Dylan Brooks, take a page. Get that thing out your hand if they force you to shoot. Hit them shots. You can't be uh, Tony Allen. I feel you. Hit them shots. But don't be pulling up with eight seconds left. Yes, but he is a valuable member of the association. Okay, I agree. I, I agree. want people to know that. <laughs> I don't want him out of the league. I like him talking. It's great. Yeah, come on. So I got a few follows. First of all, on the Forbes thing, he had to play enough to be that not valuable, which just puts him. Yeah. He's obviously not the worst player. He's just the worst player who plays. Yeah, who plays um, a lot. 
So the second uh, second thing is, does this uh, change a little bit how you feel about, and I want to ask you about both teams, but about the Grizzlies core in particular, just in the fact that it seems that both Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain are in certain ways specialists. Jaron Jackson on defense, Desmond Bain as a jump shooter for the most part, and they expect John Morant to do 100% of the creating, but he's not a complete player either. Do you still believe that this can be a championship quality core with those three guys? Yeah, nope. I do. I do. Because I, we've seen it, right? Like, I think they've struggled in the, again, they've struggled in the postseason the last two years. They haven't been healthy. The thing about a core is you got to have your right pieces around it to make it work. I don't care what anybody says. If Steven Adams is available last year in that Memphis, uh, Memphis Golden State series, I'm convinced that there's a different outcome. And so for me, Jaron Jackson is going to be terrific. You talk about two-way guys. He's not a Jimmy Butler. His uh, jump shot looks a little bit painful, but it's relatively effective. Um, he's terrific at what he does. Desmond Bain, like the other day, last night, what do you have, 36, I think, a playoff high? Like, he is an undeniable jump shooter. He's willing to defend. His arms are a little short, but I think he compensates for that. And Ja is a high flyer at the rim. Ja has to develop a better jump shot. But in terms of those three guys, yeah, I think there's still something special there. The NBA is all about guys that know their role. So to me, that's not something that we should speak about with a negative connotation. That's something that's valuable for a group that, that moves forward. To me. You spinning this hard. You got money on them or something? Like, jeez. Foxy, I, I, hear I, me out. I get you. I get where you're coming from. I guess I'm trying to imagine the teams that are like this. That Because... The NBA, yeah, is specialists, but the specialists are normally role players. Like, the specialists are 3 and D guys. The specialists are rim protectors. They're not like your big two or big three guys. Those guys seem to be, like, a little bit more well-rounded than it seems like the core is for this team. And Desmond Bain is a, a terrific shooter, but he looked like a linebacker. And I know that don't mean that he can't play basketball, but it makes me uncomfortable every time I see him walk out there with all them shoulders and, and okay. traps like for what? Why are you doing all that? Get a, get off hey, the gym. Hey, shot not broke though. Go ahead. It's not, but I guess that's my point is these guys, some of them, and maybe Jaron Jackson will develop something more offensively, but they kind of feel like they're on that brink of like a little bit over on the star side, but kind of on, they're just like super, super high end role players. Is that unfair for me to say where it's like I don't know when I'm thinking of these championship teams I'm thinking of the core guys and maybe it's unfair because I'm thinking of these super big three teams but you think of the LeBron teams where it's I guess that's that might be the best example is the LeBron Cavs that won a championship where it felt like I guess Kevin Love did a little bit more um Kyrie is really he's really an excellent shooter and ball handler but he's a but yeah see even them it's like they have their big three guys seem to be more well-rounded than this particular big three. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying theoretically, but like, I know the Grizzlies are struggling this series, but they still came to the postseason as a three seed. Like right. last year, they were a top five seed. And so, but yes. But that don't matter. But listen, but like, no one has quite, has figured out quite how to stop them, even if they are super elite role players. Right. Right. Like, I mean, until you get the Lakers sure, and, Lakers sure figured it out in a series. And have they actually because, I mean, they got really two, they got two really good games. They were right there. It wasn't like this is a wide margin. Come what on. We y'all. talk about we talk about winning championships, which requires you to win three full series in a row. You can be third. You can be second and you can do win all the regular season games you want. But taking that next step. 
is what we talk about. And they give me a chance with this Grizzly squad when okay. they help. Is all I want to say. They pump our brakes. Give me them two. Give me them two role. Some two other role players that are missing. The yeah. the pound for pound strongest dude in the league, according to other NBA players. Mm-hmm. Desmond Bain. Alabama's out. Desmond not, Bain is stronger. No, he's not stronger. <laughs> Steve Adams. Why would you do that? His deltoids. <laughs> Strong. I'm trying to make a point, and you got jokes. <laughs> and give me Brandon Clark back, and I want to see what happens when this team is healthy. I'm not right. ready to blow it up. I'm, Although I'm I did hear they really, really, and rightfully so, they really did try to get Mikael Bridges for Desmond Bain, which I think would have been an absolute game changer. But here we are. Mm, yeah, you said bring me Brandon Clark. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Give me this check. Let's get up out of here. You said bring me Clark. So we have to we have to blow up the rest of our NBA rundown uh, because I'm gonna let everyone behind the kimono for a second. Oh. I I I planned this show and I was like, Celtics are gonna win this series in five. The Celtics are they're better than the Hawks. The Celtics were up by a point with six seconds left. Yeah. And then this happened. I'm going to show you guys exactly what happened. This is our guy, much maligned Trey Young. Yeah. I had it on in the hotel. Mm, mm, mm. That guy. So my question now, I mean, this is a Hawks team. We had completely written off. This is Trey Young, who we, you know, questioned. He was chosen by his peers as the most overrated player in the league. This is a Celtics team that, with an Embiid injury and a Giannis injury, was the presumptive NBA title favorite. 3-2. Trey Young seems to be back in control of his game. How do you view this Celtics-Hawks series and the Celtics moving forward? Yeah. You got to pull up phone Fox Yeah, I well, don't I got know. Fox, I need to see what happened. Yeah, it doesn't matter what happened. They lost. And yeah, we should. Like, that's what it comes down to is the Celtics keep losing to a team that no one believes to be a legitimate title contender. Uh, Trey Young, I'm sorry that your peers voted you most overrated. I'm sorry that I also was like, nah, I wouldn't trade for Trey Young. I'm also sorry that I said that Luca. Would, no, I'm not sorry about that, Luca. I'm saying, what are you apologizing yeah, for? Slow yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel I, I, I'm looking for an explanation for this outcome, and I don't have one. I guess you could just say it's random or whatever. Like these things happen, but they blew a major fourth quarter lead, and this was a game that I thought they would have. I remember the first game of this series, and I, well, I don't remember the first game of this series because I made it to halftime. It was like, you know what? I may yeah. not watch no more of these games. <laughs> if these were the late games, whew, y'all would not get one minute of my time. But somehow they've turned it into a series worth watching, I guess. No, no, no. Let me explain this phenomenon right. to you. All and right. bear with me, folks, as I get a little bit morbid. I was with my grandfather as he took his last breaths. You know, they give you that little tear before they about the rollout. This I is didn't the tear. Oh, they give you a little tear, yeah. Oh. This is the tear by the Hawks. <laughs> okay, they got a new Try coach. Try not to laugh. <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> they got a new coach. They're still on their best behavior. Trey had 38 and 13. He got off the ball. He hit a big-time shot. Like, this is a team that has some issues that they got to work through. So this was the tear. They're going to lose the next game, and the, the Celtics are going to proceed on to the next round. Like, this is a little bit of pride as NBA players and Trey Young, Ice Trey shows up, but they're not winning the series. I'm not concerned. <laughs> oh, man, and the death throws. I can't. 
Oh, well, I'm glad that Trey Young could have another moment. That might be one of the cooler celebrations that we got in the league when Trey Young hits a big shot and he actually is not as good a shooter as I would, I don't know, as I think uh, he's, he's not. <laughs> we, we would suggest, but he still manages to come up with these big shots that we remember because he hits us with the frigid. But, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I, I wouldn't bet on the Hawks, but I, I, is it okay for me to be, like, concerned about the Celtics at and all? In the big picture? Yeah. yeah. Because – and this is – this was the thing, I think, as you watch the regular season come down to the wire and we knew that the top three teams in the East were the best three, the conversation around the Celtics was still, like, Missoula, right? And I haven't watched that game closely, so I can't say whether mm-hmm. timeouts were or were not called at the right time. But to me, to be Probably up not. 10 – right, to be up 10 or whatever it was with five less than five minutes to go in the ballgame, a team that was just in the finals, y'all supposed to close. Even if Jason Tatum is having a, a rough night. So – I'm not worried about this one. Uh, Missoula probably got out coach. Yeah. Are we going to end up with the Heat in the finals again? <laughs> we got the Western Conference finals as a company. So, but I would, that would be. Oh. What a, yeah. I know that uh, Stephen A be, be um, advocating for the cities that he likes. 100%. So he, he is rooting hard for LA. Mm-hmm. I like Denver. I don't know if he likes Denver. The airport from Denver is like, from the city is so far, so it annoying. Is. It is pretty far. I played for the Broncos. I spent a lot of oh, time yeah, that's in the airport. Right. It's an enormous airport, by the way. And mm-hmm. It's a little bit too far. A lot so, of, a lot of conspiracies nice... about that airport. Um, yeah, but I also just want to mention that... Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, DeJounte Murray... <laughs> was suspended. Did not yeah, play in this game. The guy who's been good... the Hawks' best player for most of the series. But see, again, back to my tier analogy, right? Oh, like, oh, all of a sudden, there's space and and... Uh, what's his face? Quinn Snyder is coaching and Trey's on his best behavior. And mm-hmm. shout out to my friends that cover the Hawks. Like Trey, DeJounte, a little oil and water. Need a good shake to make them work together. So I'm not surprised that the Hawks jumped up and got this one. Focus, oh, self, Boston. Let's go. Close it out. Your grandfather. Rest his soul. <laughs> R.I.P. I can't believe. I, I mean, you are committed to this job because you have taken a touching moment <laughs> the final moment you with your grandpa and you have analogized it <laughs> the Hawks getting a first round win poor grandpa Listen, I hope I you ain't watching this I hung out with the ladies from the hospice a little too much because they yeah. were just so matter of fact about everything yeah. and I felt like I was learning something yeah I imagine that's tough tough ladies <laughs> RIP Gramps what's next Alabaster last NBA one okay and this one changed now because of the Celtics, because a little bit more time for Big Joel Embiid's knee to heal. But have all of the playoff injuries, which have been plentiful this year, yeah, they have. changed you, made you think that uh, load management does not work? Shout out to Stan Van Gundy and Kevin Durant's tweet thread. Oh, yeah, that was a great one. Shout out to Stan Van Gundy for <laughs> being defensive and not understanding that KD was with you. <laughs> Stan spitting. <laughs> yeah, Stan spitting. Stan like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect, Kevin. <laughs> um, well, no. the only team, yeah, the only team that we really can look at that played their guys for the most part would be Sacramento. Everybody else, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I think this is. Yeah. The last few seasons, we've had a good amount of injuries. Uh, however, 
I don't think that we can blame load management. This feels like people who hate load management looking for a reason to blame load management. Because what happened this year is, um, or last year, and B got hit in the eye. Mm-hmm. That's not about load management. Like we had uh, this year, Giannis fell on his back. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Hero hurt his hand. Broke John Morant it. hurt mm-hmm. his hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. hurt his hand. Like these aren't load management injuries. I, I guess the argument for not doing load management, I guess, would be uh, maybe you strengthen your muscles or you stress them to a point that they're stronger or ligaments. You can't strengthen ligaments. Like it just, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I feel I find it hard to look at the injuries that we've had and say that load management would somehow fix this. Like uh, Kawhi's knee is Kawhi's knee. I think Kawhi is an example of why load management works. Jimmy Butler example of why load management works so it's really <laughs> hard for me to to come into these playoffs and look at these type of injuries and be like mm, that's why we got to stop managing these loads <laughs> go Kravitz well no I think it's not it's not saying that load management the question isn't that load management is causing these injuries it's just saying it's not preventing them okay. it's not actually uh changing the odds in the favor of the teams to be ready when it matters which was the okay. argument for it in the first place right and that I, I feel like i'm still i would use the same evidence to make the same point is the fact that we aren't having those type of injuries like we aren't having uh i don't know what a, a hamstring pull or yeah. a groin pull or some sort of muscle overuse injuries we aren't having those type of injuries those aren't the injuries we're dealing with suggests that load management is potentially working and the injuries that we're having are like injuries that load management could prevent because the fewer times you're on the floor, the fewer opportunities you have to tear your MCL or to get hit in the eye or to get undercut and fall or to twist your hand up because you're John Morant and you play at a hundred, no matter <laughs> what the conditions are, yeah, 112, no matter yeah. what the conditions are. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a proponent of load management. Generally, I understand why it sucks. It sucks because you want to watch everybody play when they come to your city. It does not suck because it's like not protecting players because I think it is protecting players. I think too, though, like, and this is where, my proximity to the Knicks, I've, I've at least been privy to these conversations. I think the front-facing piece of load management negates everything that probably is happening behind the scenes, right? Just because you don't see a guy practicing right. doesn't mean that he's, like, laid in bed and not doing anything for two weeks. Yeah. Like, there's there are teams, staffs, like, all these people monitoring these guys' bodies. Like, And I said this when this was a hotter topic during the regular season, like, Sorry, fans, but you kind of got to get over it. Like, does LeBron James get to 38? Is Steph Curry better now than he was in 2015, if not for, a, you know what I'm saying? Like, and those might not be the best two guys no. to acknowledge, although they both have fortuitous bounces in terms of injuries that allowed them to have seasons off that we don't talk about. And I get that injuries are injuries, but the idea that guys are trying to take care of their bodies as best they can to elongate their careers, I'm just not willing to knock that. I'm with you on that, Foxy. And... Yeah. Like, last year, and nobody really talks about this, but Steph got hurt in that Celtics game. The regular season ended in April. So he got hurt in that Celtics game, I think, at the beginning of March. And granted, it was a real injury, but we have seen where rest does correlate to a guy being ready when the stage is the brightest and when, you know, the playoffs, marketing the whole thing, the playoff mode thing, right? So I'm not ready to come down on load management either. It's not even about, I mean, it is about prolonging career, but it's also about being your best at the most important time. And I'm with you. Like, I'll I'll say I'm sorry to the fans, too. But the fans shouldn't be mad at us for telling the truth. If you want to be upset at someone, you should be upset at the league 
for having 82 games. Yeah. Like that's what it boils down to is. And I think one of the things that I forgot who wrote the article is a, a couple months ago, I read an article that was just talking about the intensity of the modern game and because of rule changes and because of the three point line and the, the uh, ability to shoot and the athleticism in the game, the intensity of regular season games is higher than it was in the eighties and the nineties. And when we remember playing basketball, so like mm-hmm. the tax that you're putting on your body is much more intense in a modern basketball game. It's almost like it's a different sport. So while the sport has changed dramatically, we have not changed the rules to keep up. And that's like, it's kind of a different game. And the idea that you could play this type of basketball, 82 games in a season, and then be at your best in the playoffs, I think is a pipe dream. So yeah, yeah. yeah. check would have played all the games, <laughs> but they was walking the ball up the court. No disrespect. Yeah. And they, yeah. like, there was not uh, like super athletes challenging themselves on every single possession and we've all seen the old clips of the 80s and 90s where the defense just ain't the defense and you can watch finals games and the defense ain't the defense that you're seeing today well that and i think it's not a one-size-fits-all thing right like somebody easily could flip the argument on Kawhi leonard but like Kawhi's knees are legit like they that is what it is you know what i mean and then if you look at a guy like joel and b who didn't he's Joel Embiid is the Zion Williamson hope story, right? Like, don't forget, yeah. Joel didn't right. play, like, the first three, four years of his career, and look what you got now. And so this load management is not a one-size-fits-all thing. I think right. you do have to take into consideration these guys' bodies and their personal injury history. So, yeah, I'm not ready to condemn it yet. And I, all- I am curious to see what the CBA and what the league is going to do moving forward, because I know it's a thorn in their side. Yeah. I mean, they've tried to do address it with, like, the awards and stuff. You have to be over a certain threshold, but I don't know. And, and all the the... The guys are, I'm sure everyone's heard this already, but they're so taxed with how early they're professionalized. Like they're playing basketball year round from the time they're 10, 12 years old. It's going to take a toll on your body. And the thing about like, as someone who's had a knee surgery and a hip surgery, load management matters with that because Mm -hmm. you're talking about when you have pieces of um, ligament cut out, like you're going to have arthritis. So it's like a it, you only have so many bends and jumps left in your knee because there is bone on bone for some people. And so the idea that you could argue that playing more is going to make it better. No, it, it's not. And like you said, it's for certain injuries and certain players. But it seems increasingly like more and more. We remember those articles about the MRIs and guys yep. at, at combines had had a knees and no joints of, yeah. Yeah, of NBA vets mm-hmm. so like the everyone at every level of this system is like optimizing for what they need and it's going to end up costing someone and the person who it ends up costing is the people with the least amount of power and leverage which is y'all buying tickets for games is what it is give me that we watch the games that your favorite players were available and appreciate them (laughs) sorry cameras is good man these tvs is big and they flat and they get all types of angles (laughs) Anyway, on that note, Monica, I appreciate you with that beautiful artwork behind you. It looks generic, like it does not belong to you. <laughs> nope. Shout out to the Ritz in Cleveland. Oh, the Ritz. You Listen, let's tell you how team, before we go, I'm going to just tell you how team travel hurt my feelings. <laughs> Let me it was at the, where were we? The Four Seasons in Boston, maybe? Right. And I was like, oh, this is lovely. Let me just look. Me and Bay might want to go to Miami. 
Child, open up that website. Mm-mm, no, 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 we're not going. Where's the Marriott? Say <laughs> they done gave you a taste of the good life. <laughs> you can't, you can't go back. I, I promise you, next time you go to on a vacation, you're going to be so mad. You're going to be pointing out little things. They don't even got no coffee maker in here. It doesn't even smell like it. <laughs> I'm supposed to smell in the lobby. This is the same towel I had yesterday. How dare they? Anyway, uh. Monica, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now on to football with my guy, Spencer Hall. All right. I'm sad to see Monica go, but I am overjoyed to have my guy, Spencer, back to talk about a sport that I am deeply familiar with, football. Alabaster, what's up? You know, Aaron Rodgers finally got traded. And how do you think both, uh, both teams made out in the Rodgers trade? I mean, I'm sorry, Alabaster. I know that's the question. It's a good question. But do we have to? Like, can't we take a second to rejoice for Jets fans? Like, they have a quarterback for the first time in whatever history. And they are a legitimate Mm -hmm. Super Bowl contender. I don't know the last time. Yes, confetti there. Yes, confetti. Put it on there. Come on. I don't know. Can you name the last time they were a real, like, preseason Super Bowl contender? I know they got to, like, Mm -hmm. the championship game a couple times. I know they won a Super Bowl. But I don't remember a time where we were going into the season and we had to actually check for the Jets. I mean, this is the thing with Aaron Rodgers. Go back and look at their current unit that they've got, everybody on the roster. Go back and look at that defense, which played beautifully in 2022. And go back and look at the number of one-score games they played in and they lost because they had a jugs machine with some hair gel at quarterback. That's what we're talking about. And if if Aaron Rodgers can still make a difference, all right, if he can be marginally better, if he can be one score better, they pick up in those five or six one-score games that they play. And then you say they pick up half of them. Yeah. We're talking a playoff team, a yeah. playoff team. A I, Jets fan will mortgage their soul for a playoff squad, not a Super Bowl, a playoff squad. Yeah, and I appreciate how we evaluate all these things. Like, goodness gracious, the, the, the fact that we care this deeply about all these things is part of the reason why I have this job, because you guys care deeply about deciding who won or lost a trade or who's going to win or lose the draft. And I get it. Like, if you break down the math behind this trade and you assume that Aaron Rodgers is at the end of his career and he at best is going to give them two years, maybe three years, but it's not going to be three years of great play. You you can hope that he gives you one year. Like I get why giving up a first round pick, I mean, it's conditional, but it's likely going to be a first round pick and like swapping spots with them. And what else is up? The, there's a second round pick involved in this. Like I agree. Oh no, it's a third round pick, right? I agree or I understand why you would say that that's not worth the risk. But let's take a look back at the Rams. They got a championship from Mm -hmm. a lot of moves that people thought were a bit risky. And it seems like the Jets, maybe they won't be any good next year. Maybe they won't be any good the year after that. But at least this year, we have a good feeling that Aaron Rodgers didn't go from back-to-back MVP to terrible without a reasonable, like, conclusion. And I think injury is the reason why he was rough the last year. So he'll be all right. And he don't, all he needs to be is all right if this team like lives up to the hype. Listen, if he's got his chakras aligned, okay? Oh, if gosh. he's in tune with the universe, oh, which he spent most of this offseason talking about getting in tune with the universe, right. okay? If he's got his vision quest all planned out, 
we're going to get a year. Because you get a year. We've seen teams get an older quarterback and have a good year. That can happen, all right? Maybe not a Super Bowl. You're not, you might not be the Bucks. You might not be signing up for the mysterious Tom Brady experience, but somehow went to both a second team and a Super Bowl title in his 40s. That happened. That's the goal here. But right. if you fall short of that, you're still going to enjoy more success in a more dynamic and entertaining fashion than Jets fans have seen ever. Like, I, not not since Joe Namath. I mean, ever. And yeah, I just say that ever. because go back and look at yeah, Namath's numbers and how quarterbacks played in the 60s. <laughs> We're talking Model T to Ferrari, not even the same yeah, sport. No disrespect, Joe Namath. You don't, you don't stink. But, like, the he's not an all-time great. He just did something really cool in a really something cool so city. Cool. Yeah, like he, he predicted the Super Bowl <laughs> while playing for the Jets, and that's why we remember him in the way that we do. But we don't have to look far for an mm -hmm. exciting story like this. We just have to look at the Jets. Last time they got a quarterback from the Packers, they were interesting and exciting, and I get that we all want to win championships when you're on the team. I get that you want to win a championship when you're coaching the team. I certainly get you want to win the championship when you own the team, but when you're a fan of the team, now stay with me, Spencer. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds crazy. Okay. When you're okay. a fan of the team, yeah, you want to win a championship. But honestly, if we talk about this or if we think about this like the entertainment product that it is, Aaron Rodgers just made your season interesting and fun mm -hmm. and gives you passion, something to care about all year. So from a fan perspective, it's a win. Maybe uh, two years from now, we'll look back and say it was a mistake because they're paying $60 million to a guy that is not the long-term answer. So, yeah, we can parse all these things in the future. But right now, let's be happy and let Woody Johnson deal with the backlash. Jets fans and just general football fans, enjoy it. Everyone watching this has said, you know what? I got a credit card for a reason. <laughs> I don't have to think about tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Cancun. Everyone watching this has done that in one way or another. Maybe it wasn't Cancun. Maybe it was a car. Maybe it was a nice night out that you couldn't quite afford. Maybe it was going over the credit limit while you were standing in line at the club. Okay? We've all been there. And you know what? The Jets might be there in two years, but you're still going to do it because guess what? Had fun. Don't care. That's uh, We really underrate cool. Yeah. <laughs> like Jets fans, again, should understand this because we were talking about Joe Namath. Yeah. No disrespect to Joe. I think Joe's a Hall of Famer based on cool alone. Yeah, Stats absolutely. be damned, okay? He did cool stuff. He wore a fur coat, okay? Uh, we're going back to that, Jets, in a very, very different way with a very different quarterback. My, my um, serious, like the, the more serious pushback is – what would you have them do? <laughs> That's the alternative. Yeah. Like, okay, the only other reasonable uh, decision they could have made is gone for Lamar Jackson, which in that case you give up two first-round picks, and you do have a quarterback who's a long-term answer. So maybe that's a better choice. But short of that, no one else has a better plan. So pay what you got to pay for Aaron Rodgers, even if it's just for a year or just for a couple years. And let's all enjoy this ride together. Knicks in the playoffs is just great. Get excited. Going to the second round, it looks like. You see it says place card there because we have no actual documented precedent for New York sports success on this level. Oh, it just hasn't happened. It's been so long. Just the Yankees, and that's about it. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers are any good. They probably are. Who knows? How can we oh, ever well, find I, that out? I, I believe they had some trouble last uh, night. So oh, didn't they? <laughs> let's, let's avoid talking about that. Give it to me, Alabaster. Does Martin Brodeur still play for the Devils? Is that still a thing? <laughs> Messier. I know Messier. He's, he's a Ranger. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Definitely. Lindros? We should, we should be ashamed of ourselves right now. Oh, we God, should be yeah, ashamed no. of ourselves. Um, Barry Melrose is going to come through this wall. <laughs> okay. And then he'll say sorry. Um, let's uh, move <laughs> so on sorry. to the NFL draft. Well played. Um, what's uh, the more interesting rumor to you? That Will Levis could go number one? Or that C.J. Stroud is falling? Interesting. I mean, both of them are predictable. Like, if we get to this point in the draft, mm-hmm. and at least for CJ Stroud, it's connected to some sort of testing. At this point in the mm-hmm. draft, we always get some stupid leaks about how someone didn't do well on the Wonderlick, which is now out. They replaced it with some other very flawed way to determine whether a guy is smart enough to play football, and that's leaked, and that's having C- that's supposedly why CJ Stroud is is falling. Will Levitz is climbing for a slightly more amusing reason because a family friend made a Reddit post and said Will told mm-hmm. him he was going number one. So I don't know. Like, I feel like if Will Levitz himself went on ESPN and said, the Panthers are going to take me, we'd believe it less than if we heard it from a family or someone who claims to be a family friend on reddit so yeah i mean they're both really interesting and both really predictable someone's gonna climb as we get closer to the draft and someone's gonna fall and based on my history watching the draft i'm not surprised who's doing what i think it's interesting that we've gotten cj stroud into this situation given what you've seen on tape out of cj stroud I, all I've seen out of C.J. Stroud was the ability to read. Of all the quarterbacks who are yeah. currently in the draft, in this class, right. he and Bryce Young are the ones that you see actually going to like their third read. You yeah. see the ones playing within the system. Um, both of them at their best moments had to improvise, and both of them did very well. I don't know why a test would scare them off this badly other than it's a bad piece of information and those become contagious, right? They get their own weight. At this Do we point believe it though? Like, I feel like all these times we get these stories, no. we get these stories leading up to the draft and it never really seems to have an impact. Like we all get up in arms. People like me get annoyed that you're doing this to players. Uh, lots of other people are shocked and surprised by it and then expect someone to drop and they never really drop. And so I really don't get the point. I know that it's a, it's a long time coming and everyone just wants to talk, especially when you get to do anonymous stuff and we need stuff to talk about. So it gets going and gets popping and percolating. But I still think that before this whole process started, I thought Young was going to go number one. You know why? Because when I watch him play, he's better mm-hmm. than everyone else. <laughs> and I think that's going to hold up. And I assume that the, the – um, Rankings for everyone else is probably going to be pretty consistent. My guess is that C.J. Stroud still ends up being the second quarterback taken. Scouts turn into everyone's super cheap dad at that point when they do something embarrassing like, I hear this restaurant has rats. That's <laughs> that's you trying to get a free meal. You're trying to knock Stroud down so you could get him cheaper, you know, or mess it up for somebody else. There's a lot of head games that happen because it takes so long to get from the combine to the draft it takes so very long and there's so much time to speculate attempt to manipulate and play some of the cheapest tricks imaginable on the prospects and futures of uh up and coming nfl prospects at least i appreciate that the will levitt's rumor is like based on something like original and unique like the the guy struggle with the testing like that that is a tired, tired way to try to trick people or to get us talking. It's sad and disappointing. They gotta be creative. I 
I like the idea that it's it's based on a Reddit post and or they could base it on the horrible food takes that Will Levis is putting out there. Like, why is he even telling people about the things that he does? Is he trying to get an NIL deal after NIL from like a mayonnaise company or something? Hey, mayonnaise company's checks clear too. Oh, we have an interview. Yeah, he probably this just wants to be about, he wants be about mayonnaise. Yeah, he wants to explain the mayonnaise thing, which I No, no, I have a theory him. that he's oh. trying to end up on NFL Live. He's just going to replace oh. Dan Orlovsky as the bad food take guy breaking down Ooh. tape. Well, he's, I, said, I feel like you, you have to, Dan Orlowski was like, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this in a very nimble way. Like Kendrick Perkins would, you can't mm-hmm. be that good because like players like Dan and I mean, yours truly, like you don't get to be on TV if you were like. Hall of Famer level. You got to be like real good, but not great. So <laughs> Will Levis. Aim, aim, aim higher, Will Levis? Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. The last thing I say about this is something that I say all the time is I think that the landing spot matters more than the quarterback. So we mm-hmm. are going to use all of these evaluation tools uh, well after the quarterback succeeds or fails and then say it's because of whatever our pet evaluation tool is. The test is not going to tell you who's the best football player. You know why? Because I've seen plenty of quarterbacks ball in college and stink in the NFL. Plenty of quarterbacks kill some sort of testing and stink in the NFL. There's so many different variables that end up deciding how good a player is. It almost feels like there's too much information. Just go with the old-fashioned gut test. Yeah, let's just let's all promise this draft season to embrace that concept that you were talking about of where do they land? Yeah. Where do they land? Does everyone in the organization want them? Are they a place that's demonstrated patience with developing prospects? Do they have a an innovative or flexible coaching staff that's able to work with the individual strengths and weaknesses of each quarterback and has a track record of doing so? Do they have the pieces around them to make them functional first? <laughs> And then good second. By that, I mean, are they going to a place where they're going to be behind a picket fence of an offensive line that's going to get them killed for two years and limit their development and possibly dent their career overall? Because that's another thing we've seen. So say it with me. I'm sorry. We're all going to think about context. It's my favorite way to evaluate um, draft prospects or to project how draft prospects would do. Because all of that stuff, if you're getting drafted in the first round, you got the Mm -hmm. talent. (laughs) Like what is going to determine how you succeed or fail going forward is a lot. I think it's a lot more dependent on outside variables. Some of it's dependent on you, but the talent isn't the problem. They don't just draft guys in the first round because they got a good feeling about them. They draft guys in the first round because they can play. If they don't end up succeeding, I think it's probably other factors aside from uh, just their ability. Are we going to oh, listen? We can love anyone into a superstar. Okay. All we got to do is just keep on hugging on you. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Jones, we might have given up on you, but everyone's in line. Everyone puts you in that place. And that's why you're getting paid $40 million a year. The dream. What kind of tribe are you landed in? And are they going to embrace you and put you in the best possible position to succeed? Shouts out to Josh Allen. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to Alabaster and the debatable crew for doing the same thing for us because we are succeeding thanks to their hard work and cause